There was an idea. Yes, I, I can definitely, definitely do like real magic. I don't know any better than you do. These are fictional characters. It's me, John, back again. And I'm Andrew. And we have, first time on the show, Morris. Hi! <laughs> Sorry, hi there, I'm, I'm Morris. So getting right into it, we have a couple fan feedback from our pilot episode. We, knew, we always knew it was going to be nice and rough anyway, so we always love hearing from you guys. So, first things first, everyone said we need stingers, we need some kind of fun intro, which you guys have already heard, and we're all going to have some more for you. Um, but there's not too much because there's not really much separation in the show, but you will hear some fun music to keep you entertained. Beyond that, they said we need to be more alive. In fact, uh, one user, Zegabot18, said that we sounded like a bunch of geriatric people about to die. So, <laughs> so yeah, so we're definitely, try- we're definitely trying to be a little bit more lively for you. I think it was just me and Andrew a little bit nervous the first time behind the, behind the podcast machine. So anyway, so kind of go- bouncing off of that real quick. I know I said that we were wanting to get the first episode on Apple and Google Play. I looked into it, and we have to do all this kind of stuff that, frankly, I've never done before. <laughs> so we're working on it. I, I can almost promise, definitely, the next one will be on there. But for now, we are on YouTube. And if you like us, be sure to follow us and hit your little dingy bell and comment and tell us how great we are and all that other fun stuff. Or horrible, whatever yeah. you want. <laughs> so finally, uh, real quick, just, just want to wrap this up. We do have an official name. We are officially the Watchers. You guys probably already knew that. We decided on that right after our uh, pilot episode, but we didn't get the mention on there. We are the Watchers official if you want to follow us on YouTube or on Instagram. We'll put kind of cool behind-the-scenes photos on there occasionally. And uh, just kind of bouncing off of that, a lot of people said, you know, hey, you, you guys should try to do some video stuff sometime in the future too. I mean, frankly, we're not the we're not the prettiest folks, but we are considering Speak for it. Yourself. Yeah, yeah <laughs> well, man. Yeah, okay. I'm the ugly one. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> so we do plan on eventually doing some video stuff, moving over into kind of that kind of stuff. That is why we we did want to be on YouTube, if nothing else, just a nice format for any YouTube red people out there. If you're strange like that and pay for that, but <laughs> anyway, so we're just going to move right along. Well, should we explain real quick what the Watchers means for people who do not who are not comic savvy? Sure, you can go ahead and explain it for any of those plebs out there. <laughs> well, for all the plebs out there, the Watchers are basically, uh, they in the Marvel Universe, they basically watch over everything. They're Basically, they don't intervene, they just kind of watch. Yes, yeah, so, so hence the name. They, they are actually a, a alien cosmic entities that watch, and no matter what happens, the entire universe will be exploding, and their own lives are going to end as well, and they will not intervene. They're, they're totally dedicated to... Um, education and learning more about the cosmos um that's not necessarily our forte but as far as comic books we learn more about the comic work right universes yeah if if the comic universe is going to explode you know we might watch you know our own (laughs) universe i'm not too sure (laughs) yeah really (laughs) okay so now this week in news for comics the first thing we're going to talk about is action comics 1000 which comes out the 14th i believe which is next Saturday. Um, there's not too much released about it. In fact, most of it, what we know is just that there's going to be a bunch of different artists and a bunch of new writers, just all contributing to this giant issue. There's going to be new stories written by new writers and also unpublished stories by the old writers, and they're going to um, integrate that into the book so you can read both new and old. And it has people like Brian Michael Bendis, 
which is a big Marvel writer coming over, and he's going to start with the Superman so- story with uh with this issue. This is his first story I think he's doing for Superman. Well, for, for those of you who don't know, the main reason that this is such a big deal is this is the first American mainstream comic to ever reach 1,000 issues. And actually, Detective Comics isn't far behind it, but we'll cover that more when that gets a little bit closer. It is, like I think, 100-something away. But Action Comics is the first ever to reach 1,000, which is very exciting. Oh, snap. Yes, and uh, we, we one thing that we do know about it is it's going to be a longer format issue instead of about... 16 to 24 pages which is the standard monthly issue it's going to be a lot bigger than that it's going to be a little bit closer to a volume i believe but not quite as much not quite 140 to 200 yeah because it has people like jeff johns writing on it and tom king which writes the batman right now and also scott snyder peter tomasi and just a bunch of writers that are currently doing stuff in dc they're just all making stories for this big issue so they might not be like standard stories but they're all going to have either little stories or maybe even bigger stories all in this one issue well okay you got to mention the biggest news oh you mean the fact that the trunks are back that's right who (laughs) trunks trunks not not trunks for dragon ball z i know you had a heart attack right there but (laughs) almost almost (laughs) trunks is coming to action no superman's Red underpants on the outside of his suit is coming back. They That's got, what's coming back? They got rid of it, and it's coming back. They got, they got rid of it, and people were always like, you know, it was kind of stupid that I just wore underpants on outside of his suit, but we kind of miss it. And they're like, you know, we heard your feedback. They're coming back. Yeah, so Superman will be wearing his iconic red underwear on the outside of his suit again. But actually what's even more interesting, I think, is his, uh, at least in some of, the, some of the images I've seen shared by some of the artists, He's, at least in some of the stories, is wearing his original Superman outfit from Action Comics number one, which mostly the difference is in the S. The S is a lot different looking. It's kind of black with a red outline, and a little tiny yellow S doesn't quite fit the whole crest of the shield. But it is very, very neat looking, especially in the updated look. Uh, I saw it on one of the artist's Instagrams, and, I, and forgive me, I, I do not remember exactly which one it was, but I'm sure if you looked it up, you would find all the artists are doing something very similar and it, it's very, very neat looking. It's very neat. And going along with that, they're actually having, what is it, eight different cover issues? I think there's eight variant covers. Yes, and they, and they all span all of the different times through Superman's history. So it's going to be a really neat issue. Even someone like me who doesn't read action comics, doesn't really care from the Boy Scout antics of Superman, I really, really am interested in owning a copy of this because it's just a part of history, you know? Right, right. Like even even more than Superman already is, he's already a pop culture icon, you know, and it's just it's just so it really is it's so exciting, even for someone who's not just into it like yeah. myself. I mean, f- this is the first. This is what started comics in the first place. Action Comics was the first big hit comic success with Superman. So seeing it come to a thousand, it's a big. It lets you know how long it's been going, and this is the 80 year anniversary of Action Comics. So kind of bouncing off that, we also have another. Well, Superman isn't necessarily returning, but we have we have a iconic super team returning, and I actually have a hilarious backstory for you behind this too. So, as we all know, as everyone in the universe knows, the Fantastic Four movies have always been horrible. Always. 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 So, <laughs> until recently, the Fantastic Four was owned by Fox, and Fox made horrible Fantastic Four movies. Uh, yeah. So yeah. horrible, in fact, that Marvel was suffering sales at MCU movies because the Fantastic Four movie, especially the newest one, was so horrible and people assumed it was part of the MCU, though it was not. It affected sales for their for their 
Fantastic Four comics and for their MCU movies. And it was what? so it was so bad that Marvel canceled Fantastic Four comics, so people would no longer associate the Fantastic Four with Marvel. Wow, way to nice thing up, Fox. <laughs> so recently, Disney got a hold of Fox, and thus the Fantastic Four now belongs back in the rightful hands of Marvel, um, both cinematically and in the comics. So one thing people are talking about is you know hopefully we'll see an MCU movie, which would be really nice, but. What's coming way more immediately is the new Fantastic Four series. So, the last time we saw the Fantastic Four as their own series was in Secret Wars. After Secret Wars, they were removed from the playing field because of that reason we just discussed. Um, but Marvel has very recently announced that they will be returning in a new ongoing comic series that's going to start this August, and it's going to be written by Dan Slott. He's a seasoned comic writer with a lot of background in The Amazing Spider-Man, as well as a lot of other things, including DC. So one thing that is interesting, just like with uh, Superman going back to his old costume, the new Fantastic Four is going to have a brand new costume. And I've actually seen it, and it's pretty neat looking. It looks very Star-Lord-esque, even in the MCU, because uh, it's it's a very inspired look from their comics right before they released Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's it's the very like trench coaty space-looking suit, uh, but it's not quite a trench coat. It's, it kind of cuts off where a normal coat would, like a biker mm-hmm. jacket. And it's white and black, and they have big fours on the side of their arms. Once again, I really recommend you take a look at it. It's really neat looking, but the very interesting thing is that they're white and black, no blue. They've had white and black before, but it looked like their old suit, just white instead of blue. But this is a totally different look, and they did not use the iconic blue. So does anybody have any thoughts about that? Uh, um, I just pulled it up, and I think it's weird how the thing is wearing, like basketball shorts and his uniform. Well, he's, oh. a, he's a big rock man. I mean, but typically, <laughs> doesn't he like just not wear a shirt? Well, yeah, he yeah he usually wears pants and goes shirtless. Mm-hmm. But yeah, see that that is the exact image that I was talking about. I mean, I just think it's the the thing will always look goofy no matter what he's wearing, just since he's a big rock monster. Yeah. But I do like it on Johnny Storm in this picture that I'm showing John and uh, Morris. <laughs> yeah, Morris or the weeb. You can call me either one. He responds to either. That's right. I, I got it confused mm. in my head. I was like, don't say weeb, don't say weeb. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> No, but I see. I personally like the suit. So Andrew doesn't really care for the suit. Morris, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I'm not much of the Fantastic Four. I, I don't really know much about the Fantastic Four other than the horrible Fox movies, which, yeah. in all, to be frank, like that's how I really got into comic books and in, in general was from some of the movies that came out, albeit terrible, but they still got me into it. Not that much to actually go out and buy copies of, but uh, that it got me interested in looking into the lore and what goes on in the timelines. But to hear that Marvel just kind of like canceled the entire Fantastic Four, which they've been running from like almost the start of the Marvel Golden Age, I would assume that that's kind of like a big deal. Yeah. And it's. I don't know. I mean, right? I, I mean, to, to what extent <laughs> does these movies have to affect your bottom line that this happens? I mean, it's nuts. But I mean, I guess it worked. I mean, um, I mean, obviously, shortly thereafter, Disney bought them. But I mean, I'm sure Fox was feeling it, and that was part of the reason why they ended up selling in the in the end. Well, I think another thing to point out is in the Marvel comic universe, the Fantastic Four is a big deal. So, like, the Fantastic Four is actually one of the biggest, like, I think, hero families in the Marvel Universe because they have a big impact on the history because they introduce all the gal- galactic and uh, 
the, all the galactic enemies like Galactus and all like they do a lot of space con uh, ex exploration as in Fantastic Four. So it kind of expands the universe a lot. So a lot of I think fans are big fans of Fantastic Four and what it brought to the Marvel universe. Right, and and they're actually they are called Marvel's first family for that exact reason. And um, kind of like what, what what Morris was just diverging about. I I haven't really read any Fantastic Four, and and to be frank, I don't have a lot of interest in the Fantastic Four, but. Kind of like with Action Comics 1000, I think I'm at least going to check out the first issue and see if I like this new series just because, I mean, how can you not, I mean, theoretically, I mean, they could drop the ball, but how could you not <laughs> come back with this amazing, you know what I mean? After being gone, it's got to be a triumphant return, I should hope. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I am really excited to check it out for that reason. I, I hope that uh, they can draw some people in like myself who doesn't quite have quite as much interest in the Fantastic Four themselves. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it seems really fun i mean i just i don't know how you can be away for that long and not just make sure it's just the best thing ever so i am really really looking forward to it overall well i think i think that there might be some some more skepticism about it because they did cancel their comics because of the movies so trying to get their fans to come back into the comics may be harder however i've i think i've noticed that fans because i read a bunch of stuff online that the fans love the comics more than the movies because the movies suck in general but because there's a stronghold fan base for the fantastic four comics i think it would probably do well but i'm sure they're going to be skeptic on where they're going to go with the direction especially since marvel is now owned by disney right yeah and it it is interesting it is a two-edged sword because uh, Disney also purchased Star Wars, as we all know, and a lot of the Star Wars comics, with the exception of two series which are very popular, and one of them even I enjoy, a lot of the Star Wars comics are very lackluster. And it's ever since Disney kind of took over and gave the reins to Marvel, Marvel actually makes the Star Wars comics now, it used to be Dark Horse, um, a lot of them have been a really lackluster. But that being said, Fantastic Four has always been in the hands of Marvel, so hopefully they have a better reign on it. So I, I do see your point... Um, and like I said, it could go either way. Um, but I am personally very excited for it. So we'll just move right along. So next thing is going to be comics in the weird. So we didn't really go over this too much last time. This is just something totally bizarre from comics history. And we're only going to talk about one. And I'm going to start it off, um, for the first time ever, comics in the weird. So here's the, here's the background for you. In... World's Finest, number 289, which was a spinoff with Superman and Batman teaming up. Superman, basically, almost literally verbatim, invites Batman to come have a slumber party at the, <laughs> at the Fortress of Solitude. And, of course, Batman agrees. They're super pals. So the whole point of the World's Finest was they would just get into all kinds of crazy hijinks, just like best bros. It was like <laughs> definitely one of those weird spinoff comics that was more based for like kids. Except for this one. Oh, so, no. Batman and Superman are hanging out at the Fortress of Solitude, and their intense level of, like, friendship attracts these weird alien worm beings. Oh, no. Who travel through time and space and find them because their extreme, like, broness is so strong that oh, the no. aliens are like, wow, we, we didn't think that any, any two beings could care about each other as much as you do. And I'm not making this up. Like, I mean, this is exaggerated, but this is what happens in the comic. So... The worms are so pleased with how much like broness is going on between Batman and Superman that they that the worms start to mate 
in front of Batman and Superman, like full on like tentacles going in the orifices, bizarreness on the comic page. And Batman and Superman are so touched by this beautiful mating ritual. <laughs> I'm not I'm not joking. They're so touched by this beautiful mating ritual between these worms that they start weeping watching these alien worms get it on. Yeah. I, I, I pulled up like the Wikipedia for for this issue and I was reading just the quick synopsis of it. And uh, apparently the aliens that you're talking about, they need they bleach off human emotions. So oh, nice. The, the emotions <laughs> of Batman and Superman in this moment allows the aliens not only they die at the end because yes, <laughs> yes, they do. They do die at the end because they're so overwhelmed with the emotions that they've absorbed. Yes, so they they have they have sex and then die. I forgot that part. That's kind of tragic, really. Yeah, and Batman and Superman <laughs> weep over it. Uh, in in the synopsis, it says they weep over the the death, the noble sacrifice of the aliens. Because they apparently, in the tech context of the comic, they kill themselves with the emotions of Batman and Superman to let their alien race live on. Oh, okay, so it says so. that's why they're sad. Oh, yeah. So it's it's a justified strange alien reproduction in front of two of the greatest superheroes. I don't, th- I don't know about the reproduction. It's not in the synopsis, <laughs> which I mean, if you were writing a synopsis for this comic, it's obvious why you would leave that out. Right. But I mean, it's there. I've I've seen it. I've 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 witnessed the the alien. The alien uh, reproduction. <laughs> that does seem like the, one of the weirdest things I've ever heard about comics. Yes, absolutely. Well, unfortunately, that's kind of almost the the norm in the darkness of manga and hentai and all that other stuff. Oh, By the way, kids, do not look up hentai with your uh, parents nearby. Yeah, don't, don't look it up general. at all. Yeah, yeah, just in general. That, that I think that would be a better rule of thumb there. <laughs> all right, so we're going to move right along now. <laughs> So we're going to talk about our reads of the week. So this is something that we've read very recently. It might not be new to you. It could have been out 40 years ago, but it's brand new to us. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to keep a spoiler-free review for these, just quick little things. And we're also going to try to give you a good place to start if you're interested in a genre similar to the book that we're talking about. So I'll go ahead and start. So I read a book that I really, really liked. And it's Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom, Triumph and Torment. So in this one, it's actually very interesting. It gives you... A very uh, in-depth backstory of Doctor Doom's life, and uh, there's a very similar backstory in uh, the Doctor Doom Books of Evil book, uh, or sorry, I forgive me, Books of Doom books, and it's also about his backstory. So Doctor Doom was raised by gypsies, and his mother would dabble in the dark arts, and actually made a deal with the devil to basically get Doctor Doom to where he is today. She she gave up her own soul so he could be successful. Um, so the book opens up and Dr. Doom actually finds this ancient elder. It's not the ancient one that trained Dr. Strange, but he is related to that, that mystic order. Um, and through the series of events, you see how Dr. Strange himself became, uh, engrossed into the mystic arts, just like his mother was. So jump ahead years later, and that same mystic, uh, that Dr. Doom met at the beginning of the book has this grand tournament to decide who is truly the Sorcerer Supreme. And only the most adept people in the mystic arts could even hear his cry. So you see a lot of people who do recur in the Marvel comics a lot, and then there's some that just show up for the first time from different civilizations all across the world. And of course, one of them is Dr. Stephen Strange. So Dr. Strange shows up, and a lot of people are very skeptic about his, at this point, self-proclaimed title of Sorcerer Supreme. And they're like, you know what? We're going to knock you down. I'm going to show why I'm the true Sorcerer Supreme. So they have to do this test... Um, that basically shows how being patient is just as important as being powerful in the mystic arts. I don't want to really give it away. 
But kind of as a spoiler, Doctor Strange does succeed and becomes the, officially the Sorcerer Supreme. But unlike what everyone thought, by being claimed the Sorcerer Supreme, he does not get any wish that he wants fulfilled, but instead has to fulfill the wish of anyone else who succeeded, and Doctor Doom was one of them. So, Doctor Doom, who you would think, and who Stephen also thinks, would want something dastardly, actually asks for Stephen to come with him to hell, to Mephisto's domain, and free the soul of his mother, who sacrificed her soul so he could have a great life. It's the one thing that's always haunted Doctor Doom. And that's one thing that I really like about this book. I don't really want to go to anything else, but they do end up going to hell and having a fun interaction with Mephisto. Um, and, it's a, and it's a really good book. I highly recommend it, especially if you want to get in the Doctor Doom and you don't want to have to read like 18,000, I mean, sorry, Doctor Doom or Doctor Strange. Uh, and you don't want to get into any craziness because it does do both of them a lot of justice and a lot of fun to read. But it's very humanizing of Doctor Doom. You always, especially in the movies, we were just talking about the Fantastic Four movies, Doctor Doom just seems like a psychopath. He just seems like a nut, but he's actually, he's just, I mean, he, I mean, he is a nut. He wants to take over the world, but it, it humanizes him in a way that you've never really seen before. And I just really, really enjoyed the book. It was so good. I would highly recommend it. Um, and kind of going off of that, just going off of uh, the idea of recommending stuff to you. I did say, I don't like the current Dr. Strange ongoing series in the pilot, but the very first volume is called Origins, Doctor Strange Origins, and it's the one that they based the recent Doctor Strange movie off of, and that book is really, really good as well. So if you are interested in getting into the mystic side of Marvel or getting into Doctor Strange specifically, I do recommend that book. It is really good, and as soon as you read that one, you can read the current series, which is liked by a lot of people, or you can jump and do what I did and read some of his more classic tales that people like, and this was one of them that came up. So for my... Uh recent reads i've read this week captain america run a soldier just like the name of the movie and it's basically the same plot as the movie except it doesn't have the whole hydra shield plot spoiler for the movie if you haven't seen it it came out like six years ago yeah hopefully you've watched it by now (laughs) but um so this book is basically it's about the winter soldier and captain america finding out who the winter soldier is and taking him down but it also revolves around a the russians who control the winter soldier and they have a cosmic cube and it kind of the plot revolves around not only the winter soldier and the cosmic but also the cosmic cube and trying to understand what to do because the bad guys have the cosmic cube and i can't say that much more without spoiling the book i mean nothing i think major happens it's mainly just the story of him trying to figure out who the winter soldier is and then taking him down at the end um but as far as recommendations if you want to get into like i guess normal Marvel Comics, just like the heroes that you see on the big screen, like Captain America, Iron Man. I would suggest probably either this book, Captain America, We're a Soldier, because if you've seen the movies, you're going to understand everything that's in this book. You're not going to get confused by anything, because all of it's been introduced to the movies. Or I'd maybe suggest Civil War. It's similar to the movie, but not really. The most confusing thing about that book is that there's a bunch of heroes that aren't in the movies that you might not be familiar with, but at the same time, it's... They're not if they are like that, they're not pivotal to the plot. And then what did you think of the Winter Soldier? You kinda went into a plot, but you didn't really say what did you personally did you like the book? Did you I liked it. Um the thing about the Winter Soldier, it's it sounds like it's like a kind of like an event volume. Like like for example, Batman the Killing Joke is a Batman story, but it's not technically a Batman it's not in any of the story arcs, like the standard continuity arcs. They might put it into continuity, but it's not um it didn't take place in that arc. But this Winter Soldier, it did take place in the Captain America arc. 
So because of that, it seemed a little bit more like a normal comic book. So it kind of felt like I was jumping into the middle of a comic book, which you know, like a comic book run. So that kind of made it feel a little like, I guess, dull compared to like these big event books that you read, like The Killing Joke or All-Star Superman and stuff like that. So you're saying the, the stakes didn't feel as high as it would for like Infinity Gauntlet or something like that? Exactly, because I knew reading this, I was no, there's going to be Captain America after this book and there's Captain America before this book. Well, if you read something like Infinity Gauntlet or the Batman, I mean, Killing Joke, anything like that, it's basically a self-contained story, so everything you need for that story is in that story. Anything could happen. Yeah, anything yeah. could happen. And that's not present and, in this book. And then after the story ends, you're like, okay, well, that's that story. While this, it ends, and then there's a lot of questions that aren't answered because it's answered in later Captain America volumes. All right, and then I did I did just want to go back to your recommendations. So I, I think those are good recommendations if you have seen the comics, but do you have anything to start with if they haven't seen those comics? Because... I mean, I mean, sorry, you haven't seen those movies because if they if they're just reading the comics and they jump in and they don't know what's going on, do you have something that's maybe better for like a starter that hasn't been introduced to the MCU? Um, well, I haven't read too much Marvel, but I guess if you haven't been introduced to the MCU at all, there's I talked about it last week on the pilot episode. It's called Marvels. Um, like that's the name of the book is Marvels, um, and it's by let me pull it up real quick. It's by uh, Kurt Busick, and it kind of it's about. Um, a man from the outside, a civilian, who watches the heroes as they pop up in modern-day society, and he looks at the impacts they have on the society. Um, so if you don't know anything about the universe, it kind of leads you through just as he's led through, so he doesn't really know anything about these heroes, but it kind of explains it on the way. So it kind of gives you a good background to understand just how the universe is set up, and you don't really need to understand who everyone is and what every villain is to understand the story. Okay. All right, so um, mine's going to be drastically different from what your all's is. Well, yeah, I, I do want to stop real quick before you get started. Why don't you give uh, the viewers at home a little bit of your backstory? Because obviously me and Andrew got to introduce ourselves in an entire hour-long episode, but they don't really know much about you except we've been calling you a weeb. <laughs> so why, why don't you give them a little bit of your comic backstory? I know it's not huge, but give them a little bit of that and then get into what you got new. All right, so basically my comic history has been like... Uh, more it's more on the graphic novels so stuff like the walking dead has been more of my comics to go to um but the most that i've really gotten into was manga which if you don't know what manga is that's basically japanese comics so it takes on it's got different styles of storytelling from the comics so instead of focusing on a character per se It'll be an entire world that'll be built upon uh, in this mo in this comic, and it'll focus on the characters in that world. So the book that I'm actually reading right now is called uh, My Hero Academia, which, fun fact, the season three of the anime just released yesterday uh, with a kind of a recap is what they usually do with the new seasons. Uh, but that's a side note. Uh, but the manga, My Hero Academia, is about uh, this this new world where 80% of people have superpowers, which are called quirks. So everybody has like a quirk of some kind. They're either really, really crappy to where it's like mundane tasks, like lifting up a small object, uh, to superhuman strength uh, of, of abilities. But each one, each quirk has like a drawback of its own. So 
Um, and it take and the story is about uh, Izuku Midoriya, and he is a quirkless uh, person who does not have any powers at all, even though his parents have quirks. So it's about him actually obtaining a quirk from this superhero um, mega giant known as All Might, who is the symbol of peace in the in the Japan area. Okay. And it all takes place in Japan, by the way. So there will be names that I probably will butcher. I was gonna say from from the hero's name, I never guess <laughs> who was in Japan. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but the the powers uh, that he obtains is actually passed on to him by All Might. Spoiler, but that's kind of in the first book and first episode, so not really a spoiler. But it's kind of his journey of discovering his power, his newfound power uh, that was given to him, and learning how to use said power. Because this power, all for one, is so powerful that the moment he uses it, he breaks his arms. Like, he'll go for like a super punch, but he'll break his arm. Okay, and this is the power he received from the All Might? Yes. Uh, the, uh... Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let, me, let me jump in real quick. So, yeah. it sounds a lot like... And for lack of a better example, it sounds like the Japanese X-Men. It sounds very X-Men-like, you know what I mean? It, it does, it does, yeah. And there's a, a bunch of other references that they make into it. Um, there's, uh, I've, I've cheated and went, all, went ahead to look at some of the pages of, old, of the farther issues. And there's like some people that resemble uh, characters from other mangas, like more popular ones. Like, uh, and probably many people are not going to know this, but for the most popular ones, uh, there's like a character from Naruto that's like resembled in there. There's a character from One Piece, and then there's one from Bleach. So, so it is very self-aware. It is, yeah, but it also takes, it's aware of the history of superheroes. So they, they directly say that All Might... In one of his costumes is like a Silver Rage costume. Okay. So he, he has like a cape. He's got like a huge smile. And it's like very, very Silver Rage comics. Okay. okay that makes sense. So um, we are running out of time. So I do just want to just go over. Um, is this a... Would you say this is a good spot for someone who's new to manga? Is this a good book to start with? Or would you recommend something else? I, I would say this is a good one to start with. There are ones that are just like kind of out there weird, but this is like a good one to where if you're more into the superheroes aspect of it, this is probably a good one for you to start with. Albeit it does take a little bit of time to read because you're reading it in a different format because you're reading from, oh, let's see. You're reading from you're getting left, left to right. right. <laughs> you're left, left to right. Mixed up. Yeah, so uh, that'll take a little bit of time. Um, and it does, it, it is longer than most comics right and and well one thing well it's it's the especially the this type of manga that we're um used to here it, it's very much it resembles when when me and andrew and i'm sure the people at home who read comics know this it's more what resembles a volume they don't really do the single issues and if mm -hmm. they do we definitely don't get them over here 
Um, it's more of like you know 120 to 240 pages. It's it's a, it's a bigger collection. Yeah. And and I did used I used to read not too much manga, but I'd read like you know Yu Gi Oh and Pokemon when I was like eight or whatever. But <laughs> the, I I do say I I will say that while while it is a different um, genre, it is very much just you know for lack of a better ex- example, it is very much just Japanese comic books. They they do share very much and similar with comic books, and it, it is a very connected medium based on that and i think i think it does get a bad rep because a lot of people do think of like you know inappropriate you know weird japanese stuff but it's not all like that it's just like with comic books i mean i mean we were just talking about batman and superman watching alien sex and then crying i mean yeah that's not much weirder than anything you see in a japanese book yeah yeah it comes down to that the japanese culture is just a little bit different than america's so what they see is inappropriate might be not inappropriate here and vice versa yeah so that's why sometimes you might see something like i can't believe that's in a comic but to them that's just, it's just a joke that they're trying to they're trying to play just like when they do it in comics that you're like okay that's kind of a stretch and and part of the what also uh is different about it is that you can see the culture that goes in through the comics as well and it's and again it's not really focused on one specific character like captain america or batman but it's a group of people in it and there are different styles of stories. So there's like the superhero ones and called shonen, and then the other ones is called shojo, which is more like the romantic girly ones. But I'm not really into that. But oh, like, you're not you're not into those. No, I'm not into okay. those. <laughs> uh, but there are there are different types that you can get into. Okay. Okay. Cool. So all that's left is this week's game. And this one honestly might be better than the pilot episodes game. So, I'm going to give you guys the most inappropriate comic storylines. And in a bracket-style tournament, we are going to decide who is the most inappropriate storyline of all time. Now, you guys will have to forgive me at home. I don't inherently know the exact issues that all these came out. But these are the plot lines of these specific stories. Or there are certain events that happen in the stories. So, if you want a reference for it, you might have to do a little bit of Googling. And I do apologize for that. So, well, just be sure to put on uh, incognito mode for these searches. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> unless you want to get on a watch list. Yeah. So, I'm going to feed you an A and a B, and you guys just tell me who would win, and then we're just going to go through until we have the final winner. So, first bracket: A, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, who are brother and sister, twin sisters, brother and sister, have an incestuous relationship over the course of a comic series. And one time, Wolverine, who is implied to maybe be their father in this particular series, watches in the bushes while they have incestual sex. I've heard of this one. I've heard of this one, too. So that versus Aunt May from Spider-Man, as a young woman, has sex with Peter Parker's would-be father, and turns out that she's actually Peter Parker's biological mother. Wait, what? (laughs) Say that again? (laughs) Say that again? Aunt May, as a young woman, has an affair with Peter Parker's father and she falls pregnant with peter parker and gives birth to him and then gives the baby away to peter parker's quote-unquote mom i I forget is aunt may uh, aunt may is not related to peter parker's dad right it's his dad and yeah she's not she's not like his sister or anything like that but all right that makes it a little a little less as bad as it could be if there was right but it's (laughs) it's just so odd I, i think the worst one is the uh scarlet witch and quicksilver yeah, I mean, I think I think incest is going to beat out infidelity, yeah. but I mean, it, it's still just odd. I just had to bring it up. It, it, yeah, made the comics is like a 
old woman with like super white hair she's like <laughs> 90 right yeah and i think in this comic you can see her as like a hot young lass out there yeah like the spider-man homecoming hoeing yeah, around oh my god all right i can't <laughs> i can't all right so in bracket two this is one of my favorite ones ever by the way oh, lois lane is on a invest investigation into little africa which is metropolis's african-american community <laughs> And she gets into a machine that turns her black because they won't talk to her while she's a white woman. And then, after she gets the big story and realizes how oppressed African Americans are, she asks Superman if he still loves her even though she's a black woman, and he ums and ahs way too long, <laughs> and she decides to become a white woman again. Interesting. I'm assuming this is from, like, the very, very early Yeah, this is, this is not a recent comic, yeah. to say the least. Ooh. Right, yeah, that's a rough one. But this one might even be worse. So I don't know the series that this is, but this comic series is set in a perfect future. It's not really any heroes. These are like original heroes. And while the um, the art artistic team points out at one point during the production of this comic that they don't have any minority heroes. They're all white heroes. So they actually talk to the lead writer about it. And he goes, don't worry, I, I have this is going somewhere in the story. Well, it turns out in this perfect future, all the black people in the world live on an isolated island in the ocean away from everyone else. And once again, this is this is depicted as the perfect future. Okay, that probably makes it. Worse. <laughs> yeah, ah, they're, both, they're both blatantly racist. So right, but yeah. it's just which one is more blatantly racist is what it comes down oh, to. Oh, so I was thinking, I was like, well, because you said at first, I, I didn't hear the word perfect future, so I was like, well, maybe it's just like alternate, but like a said, dystopian yeah, future. But, like, but, like if it's a dystopian future, we might give you the benefit of the doubt, but it's like yeah. the world's like a perfect place, doesn't you heroes, and it's because all you put all the minorities on a on a island in the middle of nowhere. I mean, oh. yeah, I think that one's worse. Yeah, I, oh. I, I have to agree with that. What do you think? Uh, it's kind of hard for me because <laughs> for one, you're you're doing blackface for, on one character. Well, she doesn't do blackface. The, she turns she turns actual into a real African American woman <laughs> via a machine. The, it's still it's the, the idea of blackface, though. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> Other uh, ones that's bad though, because like super, you like. Of course, it seems I mean, sure, like, Superman's a racist, but but, I mean, but it also be like maybe Superman just prefers how Lois Lane was before, right? <laughs> yeah, stop, it, stop defending uh, your let's, buddy. Let's not go any further onto that. Uh, yeah, he's Superman. Isn't All it? right, so <laughs> we're, we're gonna say Perfect Future is the winner there. So yeah, I guess. So in the third bracket, we have these are two inappropriate heroes slash villains. So, in an attempt to fight kids using illegal substances, I, I believe it was Marvel, but don't quote me. This villain's name is Snowflame. He can do amazing superpowers. He's basically like Superman. And he gains these powers through snorting cocaine. Yeah, that's not a good message. I don't know I don't know if that's a good anti-drug message, is that he gets all these amazing powers via snorting cocaine. I think that's encouraging. Right. So we have Snowflame <laughs> versus Big Bertha. Who oh is, no. Big Bertha it's worse than it sounds. No, I don't Big Bertha is a model and she's a Canadian superhero. Okay. And, and the point of this book is to be satirical. However, they might have went a little too far here. So she's a model. She's like a, like a stick-thin model. And she has the power to gain 600 pounds of fat and thus become super powerful. Now, to lose all the fat and to return normal, she has to purge it all out of her body. So she has to go into the bathroom and vomit it all up. That's, oh. bad, because, that's bad because of the bad food. Oh. food practices and yeah. right. health practices. I, I think the worst one, though, is the cocaine one. I don't know. They, they're kind of equal. Right. This is, this, is a pretty, this is a pretty good one as far as there's no landslide winner, I think. I, mean, it, it, I think if I was reading the 
big Bertha one, I wouldn't immediately be like, oh, I need to purge myself. Well, I guess maybe. Right, but you don't you don't suffer from you don't suffer from that disease though. Yeah, I know. I think it'd probably be more tempting for the most more general audience for, for the cocaine one. I thought like that would be more destructive. But well, I, but I don't know. <laughs> oh God, this is really tough. Uh, well, you also got to think about in the in the context. So Big Birth is more recent, and this is still an issue that plagues us today. But Snowflame was back when cocaine kind of first was coming into the mainstream. People didn't know as much about it. So that's kind of why that one's still on the table for me. Otherwise, I would say Big Bertha without any hesitation. But I, I, I think honestly, Rick, actually, now that you said that Big Bertha was more recent, I think that one's works now since so it's more recent. Yeah, I think Snowflame has a little bit leeway because it was. Yeah, but but I almost go back to your argument with Snowflame now because he was at a time when we didn't know a lot about cocaine. It might have been a little bit more desirable. You got to think because at one point we thought it was okay to smoke cigarettes. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I don't inherently know. I didn't live through that time. But we didn't know that much about cocaine here in this part of the world at that time when it was first emerging. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think I'm going to go with Big Bertha. Okay. Because I, I think that's that can apply to almost anybody. Right. Uh, I mean, you can say that the cocaine super... I don't even know if I should call them the cocaine superhero. <laughs> <laughs> super Coke. It's super Coke. All right. That's so, like, a co- like a Coke hero. All right. Coca-Cola. <laughs> Coca-Cola, sponsor us, please. <laughs> please sponsor not, us. Not sponsor, not sponsored by Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So next we have Gwen Stacy and Norman Osborn, aka the Green Goblin. I think I've heard this one too. Have a sexual affair, and Gwen Stacy becomes pregnant with twins. Now, not only does she not tell her boyfriend Peter Parker about this, she gives birth to the babies, and and Green Goblin blackmails her into letting him have the babies and he in, he introduces the goblin serum into them and they grow up super fast and become these like basically assassins to kill spider-man so that kind of falls back with the aunt may thing where it's weird it's definitely comic book weird but the kind of scandalous part is that you have this beloved character who is dead and is one of the only characters that stayed dead um and now she's being portrayed as a floozy basically sleeping around with norman osborne so then, that versus, and I think this one will unfortunately be the landslide winner, but Superman and Big Barda are tricked into making a porno together. And Big Barda's husband it's a miracle. Is, is, is witnessing this outside the window. And then when he comes in and breaks them out of their like spell they're under, they're like, oh, okay, well, it doesn't matter. We were under a spell, so it's not it's no big deal. I'm sorry, who who's the other superhero? Big Barda? Big Barda. Big Barda. They're uh they're new gods from DC. So like in DC they have these races called old gods and new gods. The old gods are basically like what you think of like Zeus, uh, and all, all the Greek here uh gods. And there's and then there's the new gods, which are kinda like just different it's a different it's a race of aliens and they're super powerful, like Dark Side's one. Uh, Steppenwolf is one from the movie, even though yeah. uh, he's going to nerd out like you did on the manga. But, um, so we got to cut it off. But, but anyway, Big Barda and Mr. Miracle are are like two of them that come to Earth and become heroes. To give some context for that, so I I do think that the the porno is going to win right here. Yeah, I think the, uh, it's pretty pretty yeah. obvious. I feel like I mean I mean I think the big thing is that with the other like, one is that there was the, the the super soldiers the babies were turned into. But I think in the in the long run, I think the porno is just worse. <laughs> All right, so here's another good one, and this is going to be a hard one to pick, and you'll see why. So Hank Pym beats his wife and is generally abusive to her, and he literally like smacks her across the face in one issue. That was a thing. Um, Happened. (laughs) Versus Bruce Banner, aka the Hulk, 
is almost raped at the YMCA by a group of gay men. Why at the YMCA? <laughs> I don't know. Why specifically the YMCA? I, I, is it the, is, to... Isn't the YMCA for like gay people though? No. It's not only for gay people, but the YMCA song, remember it was It was, it was made <laughs> by a by a group of people who happened to be homosexuals, yes. Oh, okay. But I'm it's not it's not a club specifically for homosexuals. <laughs> I know it's but, not a but, but I think I do but, think I do think that that's what this book was implying though is that it was see look Andrew's got all these bad influences from oh this my book God. I didn't read that book for, <laughs> it affected me we're trying to give you an out just take it just take it man <laughs> all right so what's worse the the which okay they're both horrible their own right we don't want to offend anyone here we're oh. just trying to decide in the context of this stories Hank Pym beating his wife and being generally abusive to her or Bruce Banner almost being raped at the YMCA by gay men. I, I do think it's the second one only because it was specifically made as like, you know, gay men are bad, they're going to try to rape you yeah. if you go to the YMCA, you know what I mean? Also, the second one, uh, it's not talked about in comics anymore, but like when Hank Pym like hit his wife, like they bring it back all the time, like anytime he like brings up something, Captain America is like, and you're the guy who beat his wife, right. just remember that. It comes so, up, yeah, yeah so they, like, they don't let him get away. That one it. has consequences to it, while the other one, they were just like, we're just going to make a story out of it and... Hopefully it sells. Hmm. I don't know. I, I think that I do. They're, they're both horrible, right? But I, I do have to say that the that the second one, Bruce Banner. Yeah, I think I think <sighs> almost getting raped at the YMCA is pretty bad. But but I do want to say though that for the first one, for, uh, since when Andrew said that Captain America does refer to it multiple times and other characters refer to it, I think that's just as bad for the long run for the character itself. Because, like, there, uh, when I see the Ant-Man in the movie, I didn't know that, the, that that was actually a thing. Right. So, aside and among all the other stuff that you're listing off, it's... I don't know. I... Yeah, most comics have some scandalous past to them. I mean, yeah. All right, so we got one more for the first tier. So, uh, and it's gonna be fun after this because then we're gonna kind of get mix and match. I, I tried to keep kind of relative themes if you noticed in the first one. Mm-hmm. So, Spider Man's toxic man juices, wink, wink, <laughs> kill kills Mary Jane because it's irradiated and she gets cancer and dies. I've heard of that one. Versus, the villain Cinder kills people by turning her. Uh, meow part into lava and melting their junk off. Oh, that reminds me of a movie. <laughs> oh, God. I think that one's more inappropriate than the second one because the first one, it's like a weird story and it's like, why is that? Right, thing? and it's depicted, but, it's depicted as tragic, though. It's not like glorified. Yeah. It's not like... Uh, I don't know. I'd say the second one for sure okay. is the worst. Like... Oh, oh, it just reminds me of a movie. I think you're just scared now. I, I am. Okay. <laughs> so now we're going into round two. So these are the winners from the first one, obviously. So now we have Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver with their incestuous relationship with their maybe dead Wolverine watching in the bush versus a comic set in the perfect future where all black people are isolated on a perfect island. Well, now we have to choose between the two terrible things. Right. <laughs> now we have, like, jerks either way. Well, uh... well, okay, so here's my thing. I think, I think without a doubt, the perfect future is worse because... Though it is an incestuous relationship, it's a consensual relationship. You know, it's weird. It's not something that's acceptable by society in any way, shape, or form. However, I do think that 
writing a book that takes place in a yeah. perfect future where all the black people in the world are on an island by themselves is a lot worse than a consensual incestuous relationship. Probably have to agree, even like just because I feel like the intent behind the second one. Yeah, it's it's almost like how's that not like some kind of political motivation, you know? Yeah. But the first one, you could say that the intent of having incestuous twins is pretty bad as well. Well, I mean, he just he wants to he I mean, just trying to give a message there, to his sister. There, there's also, there's also there, I mean, the comic creators will like insert what they believe into their comics. Like when a lot of people like like to have Batman and Batgirl like fall in love, even though. Batman's like twice her age. Right, and she's Ooh. she's the daughter of his best friend. Yeah, so like I mean, like in the Killing Joke movie, so like yeah, I know people like to insert stuff like that because like they're like Batman needs to be with Batgirl because she's Batgirl, and it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So. All right, so then the next one is Big Bertha, who purges herself, versus Superman and Big Bertha being tricked into making a porno. I think Big Bertha would be the worst because. That's that's still sending a message that it's it's almost glorifying the action of, uh, whatever, uh, what is Bohemian. it? Bulimia. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of glorifying the action of bulimia. Right, which is the point that it brings up. So I, I I do think I agree with you on this one. I think that one wins. Yeah. Even I mean the other one's weird, but I mean yeah, it's like yeah. at this point we're we're kind of eliminating the weird for the truly like bad. Disturbed. Yeah. Right. All right. So then finally we have. Bruce Banner almost reached the YMCA versus Cinder, turning her lady part into a, a lava pit and burning your stuff. <laughs> I think getting raped at the YMCA by the gay man, I mean, once again, it's just too... It's, it's, it seems too politically motivated to be ignored. I'll refer back to my comments on Big Bertha to this one. Right. So I think that one wins hands down. And so that one is actually by itself now because I had an odd number, but that's fine. I think that one's so bad it would just beat anything anyway. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised that wins the whole thing. Yeah. So next is... For tier three comics set in the perfect future where all the black people isolated island versus Big Bertha, the bulimic. Probably say that the island one is worse. Yeah, so uh, once again, the Big Bertha one, even though it's n not funny in this context, it is supposed to be, the book as a whole is supposed to be comedic, and they weren't trying to glorify it. Versus but the guy who was like, versus, oh, I, have, I know what to do with it. Right. If, in a perfect future, of course they'd all be on an island by themselves. I mean, you know what I mean? That's so the, like, yeah, that's blatantly racist. Yeah, so yeah. I think that one does just win. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that brings us to the finalists, which are both horrible. We don't have any layout yeah. now. It's either Bruce Bane... Bruce Bane. Bruce, <laughs> Bruce Bane. <laughs> That'd be a pretty cool like crossover, like Bane that gets like the Become, radiation. Brace, <laughs> no, Bane it's, it's Bruce the Hulk. Banner, but when he becomes the Hulk, he's Bane. Yeah, he turns into Bane. I don't oh, know. That's a little bit of stretch. The Hulk ejecting <laughs> Venom. Holy sh... Oof. All right, so Bruce Banner almost raped at the YMCA by a couple of gay men, or a comic set in the per perfect future where it turns out all black people are isolated on an island. Well, for one, both of those are marginalizing two, two groups. Right. So... I mean, this is the oh, hardest God. one. I mean, this this, is the these are one. two truly horrific ones. Oh, God. Who, who do we offend? I th I th the the think... African-American community or the gays? Well, <laughs> the one is supposed to be the perfect world, if you remember. So I think that makes it worse because they're saying... Okay, that, that comic saying the perfect world is where everyone's on the island except for these white people. Right, but le but let me let me counter argue with that. I think it almost makes that one less worse because it is not a world that we live in versus... They're saying if you go to YMCA on a day-to-day -day basis, you're going to get raped by gay men because that's what gay men do in our world is what this other one is basically saying. Even if you're the Hulk, you can't stop it because they're so ravenous in their gayness versus while, yes, it's set in a perfect future, it's not our timeline. It's not our world that it's supposed to be set in. 
And, I mean, obviously we all know that that's just incorrect regardless. So I don't know. I mean, I see your point, but I did just want to bring up that point as well. So to clarify, the the perfect world is is set in like an alternate timeline or something? Well, I, I don't think, unfortunately, no. I don't think that was a correct thing for me to say. I, I But it's not... It's not really specifically said. Like right. It's, it's the future, though. It's not the world we live in today, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Whereas the YMCA one is saying, if you go into a YMCA today, you will be raped by gay men. Yeah. But it basically says, the first one is saying, what's holding us back in society is... Well, I, I, <laughs> okay, I, see, I see your point. I see your point. Uh, I don't, well, how, how recent is like both of these? Like, which one they're is both, more recent? They're both older. older. The more recent one is, I believe, the African-American people. I, I believe. So, that, so that's I can't closer. Say, I can't say that for sure. So I think that's probably worse then, since we know... Right, since some since white that, nationalist since, did this. Since, yeah. since that's not been okay for a very, very long time. Well, well, we also have to consider the time that we're living in now and what the, what's going on politically. I didn't want to bring that up, but right. that's it, kind of... Kind of bouncing off that, though, I mean, once again, this is not trying to say it was okay in any way, shape, or form, but there was a time where people were scared of gay people, and they were scared yeah. of AIDS. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure that there's... There's still people are there. Well, there there definitely are, but for but, the majority, there was yeah. there was a time when the majority of people were scared of such things. Yeah, it, it was it used to be a common thing, but right. now it's it's usually frowned upon. I get yeah, I would I would safely say that that's a frowned upon thing. All right, so it sounds like our <laughs> clear winner is the perfect future, where where it turns out that all all our problems is we just got to send all the minorities to islands by themselves, and we can just succeed as a human race. It's pretty rough. Oof. Yeah. Oof. All I'm right. sure we're going to get some hate mail for yeah. this now. <laughs> well, look, we're, once again, we're not saying any of these are worse than the other. We, we are just trying to decide based on what we talked about, which one we picked. Context damned. I, I, I think another thing that makes that worse is that the artists were like, hey, do we, do we want to like add some... Right, and it was, this lead, it was this one lead guy putting his like agenda into it. I'm sure he was fired shortly after. <laughs> I, I would, I I would hope. hope. Yeah. I would different, hope. Different times, different yeah. world. Oh, God. All right, so, well, that wraps up our comic challenge. Um, only thing left is we want to remind you about our book club. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking about Green Lantern Earth 1. We're reading that, and we're going to talk about it. It's going to be a spoiled-filled review. We're going to do that at the end of the show. And so you have another week to read up. Or, you know, since you're listening to this in the future, you <laughs> can just read it whenever and then come back to that episode, I guess. Or don't read it and just get spoiled. And yeah, <laughs> whatever you want to do. It doesn't it doesn't matter to us as long as you like, share, and subscribe. Hit the bell dingy thing. Tell all your friends. Yeah. I'm sure we'll add this in post. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> all right, so once again, guys, we'd love to hear from you. Please leave feedback. Uh, you can comment on our YouTube page for now. I am going to get us hopefully onto uh, Apple and Google Play for this next episode. Almost definitely. I just have to, you know... Ignore my my child and my job and get that done. So that will be done. Don't worry about that. Eh, eh, forget about it. <laughs> and next week, <laughs> and next week we are having our first female guest. Uh, Megan Quackenbush is going to be on. Uh, she has a special relationship to one of the hosts. I'll let you figure out which one. She's my fiance. Yes, it's Andrew's, Andrew's fiance. Andrew's Spoiler fiance. alert! Spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she's going to be on, and uh, she's going to be talking with us about the book club and some other fun stuff. Um, she has some nice uh, small amount of backstory with. Wonder Woman comics and stuff like that. So we'll get to talk about some of that next week. She read a lot of Flash comics. Yeah. So she's a little bit like Andrew, but 
but she's got that Wonder Woman fun. So we can finally talk about the Wonder Woman um, next week. We're also going to talk about uh, DC Black Label next week, which is something I'm very excited about. So be sure to tune in and tell us what you think. Um, once again, any feedback is good feedback. Tell us you love us, you hate us, we suck. It needs to be longer, <laughs> needs to be shorter, whatever you want to tell us. Or right? racist or homophobic, whichever one, well, considering what we've just been talking about. Right. <laughs> yeah, next week's game is under, I'm making it, so it'll be, it'll be a lot more family friendly. Friendly, friendly, family friendly. <laughs> That's just saying it's going to be boring. No, it's not boring. It's going to be with the game we play all the time where you pit heroes against each other. Oh, whatever. <laughs> all right, well, until then. Actually, you might not play a game next time because it's the book club, I just realized. So now you've ruined our whole outro. Oh, my God. <laughs> so everyone have a good night. <laughs> good night, day, evening. We, we That's something. I'll tell you what. We need to come up with a sign-off. That's going to be our goal. We need a sign-off. <laughs> yeah. All right. Until next time. See ya.